Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. This week, we got Jody Stevens. Got a lot of history with you. Yes. A lot of history with your family. You know, I, I kind of feel like I've seen you grow up. You know, I've grown up around your family. You know, your dad was a huge mentor of mine. He used to drag me out to your house a lot. I used to hang out. And then I remember one time you were playing me songs you were working on. You were writing. I, I don't know if you were still in high school, so I don't know if it was your four-track days or the eight-track days or whatever it was, but it was downstairs yes, in the basement or whatever. But that was cool, man, to kind of see where you are now and remember those days of back... Because you were always a freak musician anyway. You were always a lot of talent. Yeah. You know, do you, but you said you don't even remember me coming over here in songs. I don't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you made a real impact in his life. <laughs> I'm sure... Well, we've, I ha- we had some fun you know back then but, um. do, you, do you remember those early days of me working with your dad because you used oh, to yes. come around the office a lot and yes and kind of hang out with him he was kind of you were a lot like him in career situation yeah um i remember if there was a day off of school or something you know my my dad would you know take me with him places wherever he was going you know, I remember um, the little Warner Chapel office across from yeah. where Warner Brothers is now. Yeah, did you ever come to the fight nights and any of those things I used to have there at Warner Chapel? What was the fight night? It was like boxing nights, you know. Oh, I, I never got to see the boxing yeah, yeah, night. Yeah. I was but, probably too young, too young at the time. <laughs> but but you did come out to the NASCAR situations that we used to do, oh, the NASCAR yes. simulators out at Opry Mills. Yeah, at, at Opryland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the theme park. Yep. Michael used to have lots of fun events and stuff at Warner Chapel back then and I remember I remember specifically one time Michael invited us to go to Laser Quest and there was they had this running tally up at the top where it had everybody's score and you'd see you know whatever Jody Stevens a thousand you know Jeff Stevens 1500 Michael Knox 10,000. <laughs> like, he literally, I don't know if you played a lot of laser He class, went in there and practiced before you guys but he, went. He, he beat everybody so bad that I just assumed that he had been there a time or two prior. It was just natural. No, he, he definitely crammed, you know. He, yes. he, he practiced. <laughs> but I love the NASCAR uh, simulator cars we used to race. Dude, those were awesome. But now, you know, uh, me and your dad have a lot of history. I'm going to get him on the show, of course. And, of course, yeah. Um, he was a huge mentor of mine. But, you know, moving on, instead of going into the songwriter world first, you kind of went into the artist world first. Yes. And um, and you were, um, oh, tell us a little bit about your band, because you were signed on Big Machine. Yes, I, I had a, I'm a buddy of mine. Well, he became my buddy, um, James Harrison. I knew a guy that knew him. Yeah. And he's, you know, he was working at a publishing company. He said, hey, you should meet my friend James. Maybe you guys should write. So he was doing kind of, at the time, doing sort of a pop R&B kind of music thing. So I, I was able to do some of that. So I, you know, I, I entertained it for a little bit. You know, we wrote probably seven or eight songs in that vein. But at that point, you know, this is like 2000. 6 2007 mm-hmm. I was I was already sure that you know I wanted to write country music songs every day so that basically I kind of 
you know, I told him, you know, maybe, maybe we should try to write some songs. For, we're 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 writing these songs on Music Row, you know, and it, it made a lot of sense to me that we should try to write songs that somebody could record. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, so we we wrote about ten of those that probably they weren't any good and they didn't come out or anything. And you know, I, when I started realizing that a lot of this rap music and stuff that I had listened to and made for quite some time was going to actually help me in making this country music that I was making you know it I guess a light bulb went off in my head you know well it might be kind of cool to mix some of this stuff together I would have some drum loops and you know chop stuff up make it weird you know however I could and we got the attention of Scott Borchetta. You know, he heard our CD and he called and said, I want to sign y'all. Now, what was the name of the band? Fast Ride. Yeah, because y'all were the first guys I heard that made a specific effort to do that. Yes. You know, kind of the drum loops. You know, this is our identity. This is part of, this is a, this is like the electric guitar for us, you yes. know, in a sense, you know, but, um, but y'all wrote most everything or did you write yeah, everything? Yeah, we wrote, we wrote all of our songs together, um, we didn't yeah. have anybody to write with, so we wrote together. And so, what was that first single? Uh, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but 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 I remember y'all doing the uh, local showcases, things like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it really I, y'all were way ahead of what people wanted at that time. I yeah. Mean, you know, which was which was what was so cool about it. You yeah. know, and and you hate that Scott and them hit the walls, but but I think that a lot of that effort that you were making in that in that because y'all did this for a couple of years correct yeah well we we did it for probably you know three years but we we had a record deal for one year yeah and they they put out three singles uh we shot a video for like our third single and we did radio tour and all that and yeah but that was before dirt road anthem right yes yeah and, and that was before fgl mm-hmm. it was before a lot of those guys that that kind of followed what y'all did yes you know a little bit where radio if y'all would have came right after dirt road anthem <laughs> right. it probably would have had a whole different kind of kind of acceptance yes well we had the you know the foresight to know what was coming but didn't the execution was a little off because we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, or at least I, I thought, but after um, after it didn't work and, and we had lost our record deal, I was uh, I was pretty confused on what what it was I actually needed to make because yeah. uh, not only did Fast Rides stick out like a sore thumb on the radio, you know, I, I, for a minute there, I almost thought that I was wrong. Yeah, and I thought, well, maybe maybe that's too far. Maybe I need to dial it back. And then, you know, with Luke and FGL and all that stuff, you know, the the sounds that I was hearing in my head and what I thought would make for cool country records actually happened. Yeah, it came into play. So after you left there as an artist, you started writing a lot. And but mm. you know, how did the Cole Swindell thing come about? Uh, it was around the time. Luke Bryan was on um, Tailgates and Tan Lines, his third album. And your dad was producing? My dad was producing that, yes. Um, I had been asked by Luke to do uh, some, you know, programming, you know, add add cool sounds, you know, uh, just something to make what they were doing different. Yeah. And um, while we were doing that, uh, Michael Carter had asked me, Michael Carter, who produces Cole Swindell, 
had asked me if I would work on some of their demos that they were making, you know, because I, I didn't know, but they were trying to get Cole a record deal. Yeah. So I would, you know, I would make, you know, either full demos for Michael and Cole. At some point, I just, I ended up doing it for quite a few songwriters in town because they thought it made their demo stand out. Yeah. To have me add stuff. Sometimes they just send me like a, a guitar vocal or work tape or something like that. I would make something around it and that would be the demo for their song, which was d- sort of different than going into a studio with a, a whole band yeah, a full and band. doing that. So, but, but, but you came out of there with the Cole's first single. Yes. I, I produced Cole's first single. So, and which one, and what was that? Chilling it. So what, w- what happened was, um, they had me do a bunch of demos and when the chilling it demo happened, Cole, got very excited about the song and immediately it started showing that it had legs on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, cause they put that out before they put it. Oh yeah. So they, had they put it deal. out and they put it on the highway and the highway just started spinning the fire out of it. And then, uh, I'd say about six months after that Cole signed a record deal. Yeah. There, there was, there was also a song that I wrote. Let me see a girl that, that I actually wrote in 2012 with uh, with Cole before he had the deal. I, I appreciate them writing with me because I, at the time I didn't really have anybody that would yeah. write with me. And but that was and your your first number that one. Was, that ended up being my first number one about. But that was your uh, about three years after we wrote it. But that was your first number one as a writer. Yes. Was it your because you kind of were a producer on Chilling It. Yes. Yeah. So so, so, so was the, that did that go number one? Chilling yes. It. Yeah. Because that was because that that's got to be a cool rebound right there because oh, yeah. all of a sudden you got this uh, hey man i'm helping out and now boom oh my god this thing's blowing up yes co got a deal you went number one and mm-hmm. then they release your song you wrote with him that goes number one did you did yes. you produce the one that oh uh, no that one okay. no but I, I did um i did uh play a lot of instruments yeah, and yeah. I did programming on yeah yeah the first album but um chilling it was kind of i mean from my standpoint it was kind of an accident i didn't i didn't know we were making a single for the radio <laughs> I, I just knew that you know you did your thing yeah i just knew that i was you know yeah. in my bedroom working till all hours of the night trying to make this thing sound cool so they could pitch it to people you but know? that had to be a gratification big time for you oh yeah because you were like like you said earlier man i don't know if i'm supposed to I'm lost. What yes. do I do? And then this says, "Hey, man, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing." Well, yeah. And until that time, I, there was about two and a half years where I didn't have a record deal. I didn't have a publishing deal. I, I wasn't producing anything that anybody would know. And you know, I, I needed something to yeah. happen. It actually, it that happening actually changed my life. You know. <laughs> Hey, this is Jody Stevens, and you're listening to Knox Country Podcast. So now you got Cole's number one as a producer, Cole's number one as a songwriter, and so when did Dad come into play and start start really overusing you on Luke, where <laughs> where, where, where it kind of landed into you being maybe a co-producer with Luke? Well, um... I think Luke asked me to yeah. to become a. I, I believe Chillin' had had a lot to do with that because, you know, my role prior to that was um, to 
help you know to yeah. add stuff i would engineer stuff i'm not a great engineer but i i, I would you know help out on the records and when chilling it went number one i think i think that caused luke to look at me a little bit differently yeah. like well isn't it funny how that happens well yes well, <laughs> i think he was just like well he's a producer now i guess <laughs> yeah. you know i guess he's I, you know i guess we how to bring him on you know so um i did before the uh the first actual album of his that i produced um i, I did some of the spring break eps um some of the songs on the spring break eps and uh so the first of the luke albums that i actually got credit on as a producer were um was the the spring break checking out album which you know yeah. actually sold good and the label you know released it and yeah. it was a it was an album but there weren't it wasn't like an official yeah yeah, yeah. there's radio singles on this but that album, was a great place for you to get your feet wet too absolutely to understand because those things were done to really promote that smaller tour that he does yes and then and then you move into the big boy the big boy album you know the one that luke really puts the time in yes you know for the year the year album you yes. know and um so what now, now you were a co-writer on a luke number one too yes was that on a later record or was that on one of the first uh, ones that was did? on that was on the first out uh, that was on kill the lights so that's awesome yes thank you not only did you walk in and get to co-produce with your dad which had to be one of the first father-son co-productions you know co-producing teams in town at yes. least that i've heard of I, yes. I, I I can't name another father son, you know, team that that produces. So that's that had to have been awesome for you and you and Jeff to be, you know, you and your dad to be sitting around waiting to to move each other's plaques out of the way. You know, <laughs> it was exciting. You know, and I know your dad. I know. I guarantee you, he was a proud proud papa. Yes, yes. I'm. But you know, in in that situation, if we are working in the studio or whatever, we kind of we don't act like father and son we act like guy that does this guy that does that yeah you know what i mean yeah um and actually that song specifically um home alone tonight which we called home alone forever which for some reason we thought sounded like a movie (laughs) title or something because it it was was um (laughs) it ended up being called home alone tonight and that song was on hold for about a year before the album was cut and it 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 actually uh, that song is actually interesting because that song wasn't tracked in the studio with a live band. It was basically sort of like chilling. It was kind of just done um, at the office with yeah. just me playing stuff from from a demo. And then uh, we hired a couple of studio musicians, one to play bass and one to uh, just to kind of come in and do overdubs on it to to make it. To make it move a little bit more, because sometimes when you have to do everything yourself, yeah. you know, with, you know, with my, I, I have some playing ability, but it's much more limited than any of the studio musicians. That sometimes it's just the right thing, yeah. And yeah. sometimes, you know, it needs to be better. Yeah, but that song came about, and then, you know, she put her vocal on there, and oh, I yeah. remember hearing that on the radio, and that was a big song for Luke. I mean, it, you know, I, I think they did even even did it on an award show or something like that. Yes, they did. Uh, I think it was the AMAs. Yeah, and and that was your first platinum record as a producer. Uh, Chillin' It was platinum. Plat. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the album platinum on Chillin' It or just uh, a single? Eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Luke stuff puts you into the bigger playing field. Yes. And um, so your phone had to start lighting up after that. 
have to produce stuff to produce or write uh probably yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to remember you know I, I know that um you know i think my rights started getting better for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> knox country podcast edition <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Rhett. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. Now, after you do Kill the Lights... Yes. Uh, you do what makes you country? Yes. So was that process a little bit different? Were you kind of sort of more into your groove with uh, you and your dad, or was it still sort of like new, or did you have some more confidence from, from I would definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, before chilling, I'm not sure I really had any confidence in anything. You know, I, I think I was just, you know, I think everybody just thought I was the guy that made weird... <laughs> tracks you know um but uh, they were it's very they were very similar album wise maybe on kill the lights i tried to add a little bit more stuff because i was you know trying to prove myself useful yeah but i mean you're part of big songs yes i mean pretty like hunting fish and living every Mm -hmm. day now me and you i was sitting in front of you at the awards yes and luke played hunting fish and loving every day and i remember looking at you and your y'all were right behind me yes and i remember turning around saying how did i not get this song (laughs) because this song is awesome and i hated that i didn't get to hear it but then i found out luke wrote it with you know with some of the peach picker guys yes and 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 man to me, that's that's probably one of my that's probably my favorite Luke song. Is may have been loving every day. looking back on it after some years, you know, it may have been cool as a Luke Jason together. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you like a yeah, you know, a yeah. duet thing. If they were if they weren't both being headliners at the time, yes, you know, no, but yeah. but, but that's such your dad thing too. Yeah, that song is such a because your dad's first cut was Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, hunting fishing is a flavor of that world. Yeah. Of, of you know and and so that that to me when I turned around and saw you guys sitting there together that was a proud moment for me too because I knew how much your dad cared about you and wanted you in the business yeah and that was that was awesome because I, I felt like I was a part of that just because your dad was in my life yeah a, a lot of for ten years too and that was cool man that was a big moment yes we well, and to to be a part of of the song most people are good yes I mean that's that's become an incredible, a very special song to a lot of people. That's an incredible song, you know. Did you um, did you guys know when you were producing it that this was going to be a monster song? I uh, I feel like I feel like my dad did on songs and all that stuff. He's you know pretty on it. He's pretty on it as far as the Luke songs go. You know he was he knew that we needed to cut that song. That was his favorite song from the album. Now what about um drink a beer that was an awesome song too yeah that yeah. that's probably my favorite luke song actually yeah. um a side note chris stapleton sings backgrounds on drink a beer and he he was one of the writers on the song and yeah hey you, you hear him in one little spot towards the end of it oh yeah if you're if you're paying attention you know you hear a little 
Chris Stapleton in there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely here, and and he's not difficult to record. Either. Yes, he just kind of goes in there, <laughs> knocks it out. Yes, he's <laughs> okay. an amazing singer. Yeah, no, that's that's a uh, drink of beer. You know, most people are good. Those are just songs that just resonate with people, yes. and they they really get close to those songs and, and really feel them. Well, I know you don't want to talk about this, but that's a close song to you anyway. That that was your brother's favorite song. Yeah, that was my brother's favorite song. And he, he passed away. He passed away. Oh, and, I'm sorry. Oh, no, thank you. And and then I know with Luke, with, with everything that has happened in his life. Yes. You know, so it was just something at that moment that was really, really special. Yes, and the song was on hold for somebody and they had to wait not to record it to make sure that we could record it. Well, that's the life story of Nashville. Yes. Sometimes. And, you know, that that song is Luke. Luke needed that song. Yeah. yeah. Oh know? yeah. And and he always. It seems to me that he always finds the right time in his career to choose to release those type of songs. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times it'll be after one that's you know yeah. sort of a rock and roll song, and then he'll he'll put out something like that. You know. But and it does show how how deep he is. Yes. You know how how um, he can go from. You know the hunting, fishing, living every day. You know mm-hmm. the party songs to things like that, like drink a beer, mm-hmm. and then to turn around and uh, sunrise, sunburn, sunset, yes. which is your latest number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know to do that, and and he really identifies, I think, with his his core audience. Yes, and and I think they really get that and appreciate. You know, and that's really him. You know, so kudos to y'all for being able to you know capture that. Yes, you know, well, and keep it real. Now, as a songwriter, you you have other hits. Yes. You know, I was Jack, you were Diane, mm-hmm. Jake Owen. Yes. You know, kind of, were you writing something maybe for Luke to hear, and that just kind of came about another way, or? That that song, I've had that idea for that song since the Fast Ride days. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've i always had sort of a, a, a John Mellencamp loop of Jack and Diane that, that, when the right song were to be written to it at the right time in the right situation, I always believed it was going to work. It just took it took a considerable amount of time to figure all this out. <laughs> you know, who did you um, write that with? I wrote it with uh, Tommy Cecil, David Ray, Craig Wiseman, and of course John Mellencamp. But our our uh, you know our track for it was actually. Um, has that yeah. actually playing on the record? It's a, it's it's been replayed by musicians, um, by studio musicians. But the original one was it kind of it, uh, or not the original one, but our demo sounded like Mellencamp in the in the background and yeah. It's, it's, are we were, I hope I get to meet John Mellencamp. <laughs> I yeah. think that would be extremely cool if he showed up. You know, at a hey, or, well. or maybe if Jake did it at a. Uh, you know, at an award show or something with John Mellencamp, that would be really have, cool. Have you already had that. the number one party? No, not yet. Watch out, he's a writer on it. <laughs> hey, if they there could you get go. him to come, I, I just <laughs> I think I, I just want a picture with him. You know? John, you here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome, dude. I mean, and then um, I, I I got to cut one of your songs too, called "Set It Off." Yes, on Jason on Jason's current record. Yes, and um and that was you and Brandon Kinney and Josh Thompson. and Josh Thompson. Mm-hmm. And to me, man, that 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 was one of the first songs we cut. Period to set the bar for the for the record. Yes, saying, hey, man, this is where this is the attitude for the record. Yeah, and um and I love that song. I mean, we 
We Thank tried you. to dirty it up a lot more. I mean, what well, the demo was was uh, you know uh, awesome. Yeah, and it's awesome to try to beat a great demo. Yeah. So all I did was just dirty it up as much as we could. Yes. Well, it sounds fantastic, and I, I appreciate you guys liking it and cutting it. And when I heard it on the record, I, I got pretty excited when the album came out, and I'm I'm, I'm texting Knox saying, hey, "Thank you for cutting my song." <laughs> and I, when that happened, I was, we were in Las Vegas, and I had texted you, and you were some somewhere at one of the tables with some of the guys that you produce and some of your writers. And uh, at home, I had already pre-ordered the vinyl so i had a vinyl waiting on me when i got home because i i I wanted the i wanted i i'd like to collect the at least if if the artist puts out a a vinyl of the song that i have a cut on or something that i produce that there is a vinyl available i try to yeah i try to get it i'm so glad they're doing that yes i am too i I've, i've actually went back and collected most of my favorite records on vinyl that are affordable because some yeah. sometimes when, when uh, something's yeah. really rare, they, you know, people want a lot of a lot for it used. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, but the new ones are clean. I know, it. and they're and they're done the same way. I know. It. I actually, I, I went through all the trouble of buying a, uh, a device to to wash the old ones to you know clean them off, and it, and they still don't. It still doesn't do great. I mean, there's it, still a little crackle there, yeah. but it improves the yeah you know the sound. Hey guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360. Well, dude, what what do you see? Like, you know, I know you, I know you're producing stuff now. You're writing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I mean, do you see any other arm coming into what you're doing as something else? As, you know, to add to this. I mean, are you? I mean, do you ever want to go on the road again? I don't want to go on the road again. <laughs> <laughs> if I can help it, um, I like you know working here. I'm actually I'm working with a new artist that they just announced signed a deal with EMI John Langston. Okay, and uh, his first single just went for ads on Monday. What's that? Uh, it's called When It Comes to Loving You. And um, you know we were cutting vocals for the album on Monday. Hopefully soon we'll have more music yeah. out. He's already playing lots of sold out clubs and stuff everywhere. And is that something you produce by yourself or yes? And that's then that's yes. no, that's that's the next step. Yes, you yes. know, kind of jumping in there yourself, and it's fun working for a team because you always got the net. Yes, but you know, um, yeah, it's my fault if it doesn't work. I, <laughs> I had no pressure. I have trouble co-producing Dude. for I'm not in a bad way, just in a controlling way because I'm I'm a control freak. Yes, and and that's tough because my vision is so stubborn Mm -hmm. you know that it's tough to walk in there sometimes unless it's from the get-go that i know why this person's here and they have a specific role in what they're doing and my role is specific but um you know it's been hard that's why you don't see me produce a lot is Mm -hmm. a lot of times that came up it was always like hey man will you come in and do some of this with us and i'm like i'm not a some of this person i I either like to be all in or or just don't you know it's cool don't worry about it but so that i bet that's cool for you man to see that it's exciting you know and we're kind of in the beginning stages of it but for the last i want to say five years you know he's been out um playing and you know his his he put out a song uh years ago called forever girl and 
you know, shot, made a video for it in, you know, for his college dorm room and, and it blew up on YouTube and people started singing the song everywhere he went whenever he would play shows and he, you know, he said, well, maybe I could do this. You know, I think I'm going to move to Nashville. So man, what, how would that have been in your world if you had that, if your generation had oh, wow. that YouTube exposure Who knows? like they do today? I mean, you know, cause what you were doing was so, the only reason nobody heard it is because radio didn't want to play it. Yes. And if you had another outlet, who knows? You know, it, it might have been a yeah, whole was, different place. It was different at the time. There was there were no, there were no streaming services. At, at least when when Fast Track came yeah. out, you yeah. know, everything was either on iTunes. Some of it at that point by two thousand nine, you know, YouTube had been around for a few years. Yeah, I mean, but but it was yeah. guarded pretty heavy. Yeah, it wasn't like today mm-hmm. where it just you know anybody you know that's where you go to discover music. Yeah. Back then, YouTube was was not as popular like that as it is today. It's cool though now too because you you can see, you know, in real time the stats of how much somebody's music is being listened to, and and if they put it on a, like a music playlist, how many times the song's been played again and again, and it's actually a fairly good indicator of how well you know somebody's doing with their music by yeah. knowing how many people have listened to it. Yeah, and all that's yeah. right in your face. I mean, you can go to Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, check their friends, and go to Instagram and look at their stuff. Yes. And if they go, man, I'm blowing up down south, you're like, dude, you got seven friends yes. and eight eight plays. Yeah. You know, what are you talking about? You yeah. know? It's, it's uh, you know, I, I sometimes feel like I, I, you know, when I'm talking about it, I think, well, uh, the, you know, the new way is not always as good as sort of the old way, but... In that case, it's it's hard to deny yeah. stuff like that. You know, yeah. when you see statistics that are just through the roof, something's happening. Yeah. Well, they're both there, man. I mean, you know, art, artist development mm-hmm. needs to be stronger these days mm-hmm. to make things last longer. Yeah. But there is an easier chance to get exposed for a one hit blow up, and yes. and see what happens from that. You know, and um, yeah. I mean, I mean, but you know, we don't have a lot of. A lot of those blow-ups don't last sometimes, you know, because they are just that exciting moment, yes. you know, of, of finding this one thing. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, but you're totally right. I mean, there's a lot of advantages on how they used to develop, and, and then there's huge advantages on quick reactions on today. Yes, well, in, in addition to, though, I mean, it used to be considerably more expensive to develop. Some of these guys, these younger guys, are able to do this themselves, you know, by the time they get to, you know, somebody wants sign them yeah you know and if they've been out playing shows and all that kind of stuff and meeting fans and they're shaking people's hands and stuff you know yeah you know they're ready for the kind of the big time before they even get to the big time well it's like a like a riley green yes luke combs yeah i mean these guys kind of you know uh kane brown Mm -hmm. you know kane and luke of course blew up a lot bigger but riley didn't get to get there because they're jumping on it earlier like you said they're seeing the needle and they're going to jump on it before it gets too popular yep you know, but yeah, that, that, that we are definitely in a different time. Mm. You know, we're not in our dorms playing on four track cassettes. Yes. You know, <laughs> inventing something nobody's gonna hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got I, I've I've got so many that nobody ever heard, I mean, or or will, or or will. <laughs> I would prefer it if nobody heard it. Actually. No, is there okay? So songwriting, production. Um, engineering mm-hmm. programming is there one of those that is sort of do you enjoy more or is it sort of like the whole process because you start you know with writing the song and then end with with producing it that's a very good question um it almost changes by day i feel like when i was in my 
you know, little room when I was a teenager recording music. I was I I didn't separate the production that I was making for myself pretty much only to listen to before you could even burn a CD of it and the writing of the songs because I would just you know I was a teenager and I was you know if I wasn't in a good mood I'd just go down there and start making music because that was how I felt so I feel like the songs weren't very good but if you listen back to the tracks with the vocals muted they were probably pretty good considering I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I feel like I naturally gravitated towards production of music and I feel like I had to learn how to write lyrics and Mm -hmm. you know I had to learn how to you know come up with great melodies and all that so songwriting stuff that people would like uh, it was a lot harder for me than um, trying to figure out how to make a cool sound because I could find a cool sound somewhere But writing a lyric that anybody cared about was considerably harder. But I I don't necessarily enjoy one more than the other. You know, just I love it all. Oh, yeah. And and you're not doing too bad in (laughs) any of them, (laughs) any field. (laughs) Well, that's cool, man. Well, Jody, thank you for being here. Jody Stevens, awesome man. Producer, songwriter, loop guy. Yes. Track guy. Yes. Whatever they call it in the future. But, uh, man, I love you being here, dude. It's been a long time, and I've known you, and so it's awesome to see you grow into this. This is awesome for me. Yes, thank you for having me, and this is awesome. Thank you. Knox Country. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country Podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Mr. Lacey Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. Country outtakes. So is Jeff mad that I asked you first? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I actually, I actually told him though. I said I'm going to go do a interview with Michael Knox. I said I figure you're next. <laughs> <laughs> now he'll he'll avoid Knox's call because he knows what he yeah. wants. Now. <laughs> I remember one time when I was a kid, we went to um, they had wrestling over at at MTSU. It was it was WWF wrestling uh, back before it was WWE. Yeah. It was the first time I ever got to see wrestling live. I was probably maybe seven or something like that. And I remember, you know, going with my parents and stuff. And and I think it was like, you know, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and you know, like <laughs> these wrestlers and stuff. And I looked over at my parents. I go, "You think that's really them?" <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, of course it's them." I was like. What are they doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they got to be on the television. They I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I remember like listening to local radio, and it was like, you know, this is Reba McIntyre, and you're listening to, and you're like, whoa, Reba was here, not knowing. Yeah, you know, it's like you just call them in. You know. Speaking of liners, we did the fast ride liners for the airport in 2009. They're still there. They still play them at are you the serious? airport. <laughs> So if you walk through the airport, you may, if you walk through the airport, you may hear, this is James Harrison from Fast Ride. Please make sure to keep your pets in their cages. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's still That's there. Awesome. Knox Country. Podcast edition.